Welcome to Realm of Faith Radio. But notice it says, For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. He that loves another has fulfilled the law. For this, now begins to quote some parts of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, now here he calls it a saying. It is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 10 says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love works no ill to his neighbor. See, the love of God has never split a home yet. The love of God has never split a church yet. The love of God has never been to a divorce court and it never will. Provided both parties were consistently walking in love. Welcome to Realm of Faith Radio with Reverend Talks and Dr. Akuna Dejuwon. This month, we begin the series on seven most important things about walking in love. Right now, here's Reverend Talks with today's message. Seven most important things about walking in love. Part 1, Episode 3. Now, Paul was talking uh, in his epistles about this, the fact that love fulfills the Old Testament law. In Romans chapter 13, Romans 13, and um, if we read from verse 8 through to 10, Romans 13, from verse 8 to 10, the Bible says, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. Now, let me pause here and make a statement. Some people read this and say, the Bible tells us not to use credit, that you shouldn't borrow money. Have you heard that before? You know, that the Bible says, Oh, no man, nothing. So you're not to owe anybody. I like one translation. It says, leave no debt outstanding except the mutual debt of love. Now, if the Bible is telling us not to borrow, hmm? now, of course, uh, then let's just think a little bit. Remember in Deuteronomy 28, verses 12 and 13, where God said to Israel, I'll bless the work of your hands. He said, you will lend to many nations and you will not borrow. Now, covenants might have changed, but sin is still sin. Amen. And God hated sin in the old covenant just like he hates sin in the new covenant. Now, if God is telling his people that you will lend to many nations, you won't borrow. And if borrowing were a sin, you know, and now you are the one who's lending. So if the person borrowing from you, you know, you're lending to someone. So the person you're lending to is borrowing. And if, according to that thinking, if borrowing is a sin, then the person you're lending to is sinning, Right? And then, you know, the Bible says those who go to the battle and those who wait by the stuff, they will part alike. So you who is helping somebody to sin, you're also sinning because you're aiding and abating sin, isn't it? So if it's a sin to borrow, then it's a sin to lend because you're the one who's encouraging the person to sin. Listen, the Bible doesn't say don't borrow. Are you listening? Remember in 2 Kings uh, uh, where chapter 4, where that widow came to Elisha, uh, Husband had died, and then her child, you know, her son was about to be taken by the person that the husband was owing money. And um, what did Elisha say about the Spirit of God? He told the woman, go borrow, borrow vessels, not a few. Right? So she went to borrow vessels. She had little oil. She now began to pour the oil into those vessels, and the oil began to multiply. Right? And then he now told her to sell it. And then pay the debt, which she was able to. But my point is this. If it's a sin to borrow, then the Spirit of God must have aided and abated that sin. Because that was a manifestation of the working of miracles through Elisha. 
but it was through vessels that were borrowed. Isn't it? Let me give you another instance. Well, you may say that maybe Elisha missed it in the spirit. He didn't properly pick it up. It was the spirit of God, but maybe he missed it in the way that manifestation was flowing through him that, you know, he shouldn't have said she should borrow vessels. He should have said that she should use the money to go and buy, you know, sell the little, you know, you may want to explain that away. But I'll tell you another person. Remember Jesus. When, um, you know, he used Peter's boat. He used Peter's boat. Somebody said, yeah, he paid him for the boat. Because after he used the boat, he preached, you know, he now told Peter to let down their nets, you see in Luke 5, for a catch, and they did. Actually, Jesus told them to let down their nets. Peter let down a net, and then the net began to tear, you know, and all that. Someone said, yeah, Jesus paid him for using his boat. Okay, but you didn't notice that Jesus did not pay him before the use of his boat. So if that payment, if that um, catch of fish was some form of payment, it was payment after use. So he bought it on credit. He used it on credit and he paid after he used it. So Jesus, no, he didn't pay him. It, it was just a, a way to bless them and to help them and to get their attention. Because immediately Peter said, oh, depart from me. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm a sinful man. You know, he got his attention. It was a demonstration of God's power just to be a blessing to them. My point is this. Jesus borrowed Peter's boat. Are you listening to me? So it's not a sin to borrow. Don't feel condemned if you have to use credit. Don't feel condemned about it. But this is it. Make sure you pay as at when due. That's the one. That's what uh, Paul is talking about here. Owe no man nothing. Uh, owe no man anything but to love one another. Leave no debt outstanding except the mutual debt of love. So if you're owing, pay up and pay up on time and be a good debtor, not a bad one. But notice it says, for he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. He that loves another has fulfilled the law. For this, now begins to quote some parts of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, now here he calls it a saying. It is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 10 says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love works no ill to his neighbor. See, the love of God has never split a home yet. The love of God has never split a church yet. The love of God has never been to a divorce court and it never will. Provided both parties were consistently walking in love. But you know, all it takes is one party to be an idiot. Uh, but you can't help that. If one person is being an idiot, well, so that's why every case stands in its merits. Are you listening to me? But the point here is that love is the fulfilling of the law. Provided we're walking in love. We won't break a, co a commandment that was given to curb sin. Now, you know, many times we talk about living right, right? We had the expression living right. You know, what is right? What is right conduct? What's the right way to live? What is the, the, the standard? What is that determines whether something is right or it isn't right? Under the old covenant, they had the Ten Commandments. In the new covenant, we have one commandment. And what's that commandment that we walk in love? So the way a Christian sins is by not walking in love. That's how a Christian sins. The way a Christian does righteousness 
in the New Testament is by walking in love. What's the right thing to do? It's the love. What is the rule? Decay in the Greek, the rule of, of what is right. It's love. That's what determines what is right and what is not right. You know, you can do the right thing seemingly in the natural uh, and hang the moon. But you can do it with the wrong heart. And God sees that heart. If the motivation is not love, then it wasn't right. The person didn't do the right thing. Amen. See, God is more interested in our heart than he is in our actions. Now, of course, remember that faith without corresponding action is dead. So it's not just about having a right heart but doing wrong all the time. No. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth licks, sorry, speaks. So God wants what is in our hearts to come out also. He wants us to act that love. Amen. Love is of the heart, just like faith. It is expressed and revealed in words and in actions. You can't reason faith into people. You can't reason love into people. It's of the heart. It's a spiritual force. It's not an emotion. It's not an emotion. You know, this is Valentine's season. You know, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, love. But that's natural human love. See, natural human love will turn into hatred overnight. Natural human love is frail. It's fickle. Even a mother's love for the child, my child. You know, sometimes when parents are trying to discipline children and they say, why will you do that? You want to mess up my name, you know, or preachers. I never tell my kids, don't do this. If you do this, it will make me look bad. No, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about making me look bad. That's selfish. That's selfish. If you train your children like that, you're going to make them resent the things of God. You've got to let them see, you know what? I want you to do this. Not because of me. Not because of my name. Not because I don't want my name soiled. But because of you. Because it's the right thing for you to do. It's in your best interest. You know, sometimes parents want to continue living their unfulfilled dreams to their children. You know, you wanted to be, uh, you wanted to be a pilot. Something happened. You never were able to be that pilot. So you must groom your children to be pilots. At least there must be one pilot among your children. And regardless of that children's bent, and that, children's that, that child's bent and that child's inclination, you want to force something on that child. You're not loving your child. You're not putting the child first. You're putting you first about your desires, about your dreams. What about that child's desires? What about that child's dreams? Amen. Spouse, one to the other. Amen. Love is of the heart. Is of the heart. And loving your neighbor as yourself, that fulfills the law. That fulfills the Old Testament standard and all that the Old Testament required once we do that. Now, I refer to this also in speaking to the Galatian church in Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 14. Notice in Romans 13, he called it all this is fulfilled in one saying. In verse 9, in one saying. Now, look at how he, he, he refers to it here. Galatians 5.14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Called it a saying here, he calls it word. In one word. What's that word? Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So that fulfills the law. Now, the previous verse, in verse 13, he said, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. 
Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And it's in the context of that that he said, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So many times, it's just good to ask ourselves, what will love do? What will love do in this situation? What will love do? Love works no ill to his neighbor. So before you say anything, before you do anything, just ask ourselves, what will love do in this situation? What, how will Jesus have acted if he were the one in these shoes? How and how will I know how Jesus will have acted? How did he act? He laid down his life for us. So we ought to do things that are in the best interest of the other person. Not putting ourselves first. God should always come first, like I said. Then the other person should come next. Then ourselves should be last. God first, the other person, then ourselves last. We're to prefer one another in love. We're to, in honor, preferring one another. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible teaches. You've been listening to Remo Faith Radio, brought to you by the partners and friends of Remo Nigeria. We offer training in God's Word and in the things of the Spirit for victorious Christian living and success and fulfilling ministry. Go to RemaNigeria.com to find out more on how to become a student or partner of Rema Bible Training Center Nigeria. Please call 081-01-166836. The number again, 081-01-166836. Kenneth Higgins Rema Bible Training Center Nigeria is here just for you.